everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, a very tired author of several books on cycling, writer of all kinds of different outdoor fitness adventure type stuff, and currently incredibly, incredibly sore. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and endurance coach, um, and I guess... Currently very hungry. I'm very hungry, as I, I actually won a bicycle race yesterday, which is great. I am now the reigning provincial world champion of Ontario. <laughs> do you get a jersey for that? I do have one, yeah. And I, I don't know, it's it's always the, what do you do with them? Um, <laughs> Wear but, it. But nice to have, race. nice to have, right? Like, yeah, it's always, I always come back to like plaques and medals and stuff and you end up, what do you do with them, right? You know. Well, we have a giant mason jar full of metal. We do. It's, it, maybe we should even post a picture of that because maybe people like that. But we cut off all the ribbons, which is hard to do. But there was a bunch from my many years. It's not that I won that many. It's a participation medals mostly. I'd like to hold on and say some of those medals are mine too. Did Mister. you put some of yours in? Yes, I did. Oh, that's not as impressive. But it's a heavy mason jar. So this is like a big, jar. this is like a liter. What's that in gallons? I think it's like a gallon. I don't think it's a liter. I think that's a gallon. A liter is pretty small. I guess. Did you know a liter is only 33 ounces? I figured this that out. That means nothing. I mean, it Absolutely should. nothing okay. to me. A water bottle, like a normal bike one, would be like 16 ounces. Yeah, I know those. So a liter is like two water bottles. And I didn't really realize that you until... You know what we do? We do 500 mm. and 500. That equals 1,000 or one liter. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't realize that until I was going to This put... got vicious. This is like... Yeah. Yeah. Country wars here metric system anyway i didn't realize this until i was trying to get my tailwind into my camelback pack for the race i did on saturday tailwind is a sugar powder that you're using yeah i mean it's not you're not just trying to like capture a tailwind yeah i was running around like a kite kind of situation so you're using tailwind yeah hopefully we can get a payment for that yeah i feel like you're being really weird today (laughs) i'm a little hyper i'll be honest uh, anyway, yeah, I was measuring it and I was like, oh, I'm going to need to put like 10 scoops in here at least. And bear in mind, one scoop is a hundred calories. So like that would have been a lot. Luckily I realized I was like, I should see how much a liter is in ounces. So I do this right. And I looked and I was like, oh, I'm really only supposed to put four scoops in here. Should not put 10. Yeah. I don't remember how tailwind works. Some of those you can mix pretty dense if you want. Right? I mean, you could, but then I would be like trying to like pull basically a gel through (laughs) yeah you would have to uh have water right so the idea would be that you'd have like a a densely mixed bottle and then you would also have like a hydration pack or something yes but i was mixing a hydration pack i was not mixing. yeah i mean that's not going to go through that tube very easily that's what i'm saying yeah okay well how did so you you did well at this 50k you survived yeah that was checkpoint number one yeah so anyone that's heard me talking all summer about this 50k mountain run um, it was sponsored by, or done by Under Armour Mountain Running. It's their series. They have three different races. This one was in Killington, Vermont. It's up and down their ski hill there. So it's about 3,000 meters of climbing. That's 9,000 feet for the Americans. Convenient numbers. Yeah. Mm. And uh, yeah, it went super well. I had no idea. I've never done an ultra distance before. And I mean, granted, 50K is only 30 miles, but... With the 3,000 meters of climbing, it turns out that's actually really hard. Um, so yeah, headed in. Didn't really have any expectations for myself. Wasn't totally positive how it was going to go, but found myself sitting in fourth for the first half of it. And then 
eventually passed the third place per woman and moved into third and finished third female, but then also I'm almost more excited about finishing 10th overall. And there were, I think, 130 starters. So pretty excited And the that. community was good? You said the atmosphere was really supportive? I loved it. Oh my gosh. It, the people were awesome. In the first bit, because ultras are kind of about like settling into like a pretty steady pace, I was with three of the women and we were just chatting and like, just having a really good time. I mean, chatting, like, where you're getting a sentence out and breathing hard, but still, you know, having friendly conversations. And when I passed Amy, she, who actually had won the race last year, um, when I passed her and moved into third, she was just like, go, 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 and, like, really psyched. So, hmm. yeah, it was it was really good. And, you know, I'd catch up with some dudes. I'm, I was, I think, 12th for a while, and then started passing guys and moved into 10th but the guys were all super supportive and nice and so many people at the finish line were really nice and I like ended up in tears at the finish which is really silly and I've never cried after a race but it was a very like emotional just positive experience for me yeah I mean I think the the whole running community right like I think you can find that in lots of different ways but running is is fairly approachable but there's also so many different types of it right Um, yeah you know so maybe people have tried road running but found it you know, hard on joints or, you know, a little too intense maybe. I mean, sometimes some of those 10Ks probably get a little intense, but some of the trail running is a little more, sort of like mountain biking tends to get the reputation that it's a little more laid back and beards and yeah, exactly. all this stuff. Right? I'd say a lot of the people that did the 25K were definitely more in that, like, you know, serious-ish, but, like, still pretty casual. Like, they were they were taking their time on the day and just kind of enjoying the, the trek instead of trying to, like, get under two and a half hours or whatever. So the 25K was serious or wasn't? Wasn't. Oh, like, okay. Much was like, more that of seems that. odd because it wasn't the premier race. Or no, anything. it was much more of that, like, laid-back atmosphere just because our course is paralleled for chunks of time, so you'd be, you know, passing people doing the 25K, and they were all super supportive, but just, like having a great time chatting with each other and so if people want to is this a series that Under Armour's doing yeah they have three one was in Colorado then there was this one and then in September there's one I think in Bend Oregon okay and I mean there's lots of races like this yeah. we, we always joke that if we just stayed in our own town here in Collingwood we could race pretty much something every weekend uh which next year might be more of our consummate athlete approach was to race a lot more stuff and I mean it's convenient because we have Pan Am cyclocross championships national cyclocross championships and then also national mountain bike so i yeah. mean i can really just keep racing bicycles and race within i mean Peter, and call it peterborough is probably here. two hours but even within one hour we have a lot of really high-end cycling but we also have a couple we'll call them mountain runs but off-road trail runs yeah the mountain i think we still have some sort of road run here in town oh, we, for we sure. have two obstacle course races um, I don't know what else we have. There's probably got to be some rock climbing. Leslie's never mentioned any competition, but... I feel like we're selling Collingwood really hard right now. Yeah, I guess that wasn't really my point, but um, what was my point? I don't know. Oh, I anyway, think more so that there's running events everywhere, and yeah. there's all different types, and people should give it a try, I think. Uh, speaking of running events and, I guess, being nervous about them, today's guest I'm super stoked on. Uh, so we had Kara Goucher on to talk about her new book, Strong. Uh, and it was perfect timing. I interviewed her, I think, on, on Thursday, so right before my race. And uh, in it, you get to hear my a bit of my pre-race nerves and Kara Goucher telling me that I'm going to do fine. So I uh, I feel like I was channeling that all during the race. I'm like, I have to do okay because Kara Goucher told me I could do okay. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Kara Goucher is 
one of the most, I'd say, famous American women doing running marathon right now. I would say probably one of the most famous marathoners, period. That's true, yeah. Because if you try and think, like, there's Ryan Hall, maybe, but I think if people start thinking about A runners, they know. Yeah, there are I, I would think many. she'd probably be in the top of what people can name as, yeah, like, a household name. Definitely. Um, she's super rad. She's been to the Olympics twice. She narrowly missed out on going to Rio in 2016, but she went in 2008 and 2012, um, placed in the top 10. You know, she's had an amazing running career. She was with Nike for a long time. Now she's with Oizel and a bunch of other like, independent sponsors. I actually figured out how to pronounce that. They make shoes or what do they make? No, they do clothing. Oh, okay. Really awesome clothing, by the way, if anyone's listening. Um, I, I love all of their stuff. And she has, Kara actually has a new collection out with them that she helped design that's beautiful. And we talk about that a bit too. But mainly we're talking about sort of, I'm going to call it more of an intro to sports psychology and confidence. Um, I really like her new book because it's a very practical, here are like six or seven ways that you can improve your confidence and mental game, you know, for any sport. Running is sort of what she's writing about, but you can apply it to pretty much anything. Um, and I'm definitely recommending it to a lot of, especially the younger athletes that I work with as sort of a starting point for sports psychology. Because some of the books that are out right now are great, but they get really into the weeds in it. Like, you know, half of it is all about like the science. Kara references articles, references studies, but doesn't belabor them. It's very practical. Here's what you can do right now. And, and is there some like case studies of what she's gone through? Yep. And, yeah, tons yeah, of her own experience. Because yeah. that's, I think, for me at least, I'm very like, that's what I, in school I always, if there wasn't case studies, you know, in the back of the book, like, totally. I just zoned out. But if I could see what someone had done or been through, right? Like sometimes that's, and if I think back to any of the sports psych books, um, that you know we've referenced a few here. How bad do you want it? Um, Brain training for runners with Matt Fitzgerald. Great athlete. What did I say first? Wasn't that what I said? No, you said how bad do you want it? Oh, I just said all the Matt Fitzgeralds. We love yeah. Matt Fitzgerald. <laughs> um, all those books, like my favorite parts, are the actual case studies, right? And yeah, definitely. And I think that's what you can then draw from, right? Whether it's oh, okay, it's not as bad as this case, or this is just like that case, right? I think it sort of gives you comfort in your existential dilemma of you know, being and being an athlete. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's great. It's got a bit of a workbook component too. So it actually does have spots in it where you can do your journaling or it teaches you, I guess, how to journal. Um, she's very big on the confidence journal, which I really like. I've been heavily into the idea of reframing negatives lately. Mm -hmm. um, so we talk a bunch about that and, you know, the confidence journal, we talk more about it in the episode, but it's one of those things where, you know, even if you have a bad workout, you can still write about like one good point from it or like what you got out of it. Um, so finding kind of things about even a crappy day or a seemingly crappy day. Well, and you had, you know, the run in, we had the, the quest. So you were running around basically as a, a camp management I management guess. coach counselor you know so you weren't doing whatever someone would do you know and this running around being a camp counselor sort of being on your feet might have been great sort of maintaining that but you, you had to sort of reframe that you weren't running and being super focused you know in those weeks two weeks probably ahead yeah so did you reframe that yeah I and we actually even talked about this at the quest but I talked about how I tried to think of it as I'm just going to be super recovered and like ready for this and ready to get out and run, especially run in some relative 
silence compared to living with 18. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I, I always say it like that when people ask me how it was, that's what I keep saying. It's like, oh, it was just got super loud at the end, but it was good because they were like all super excited, which is great. Um, this is the girls, not during races. No, but I could see in the race, it's like now you'll get this opportunity to just do something, you know, just for yourself and like to get out there and you're, you have this adventure, right? You left your phone at home, I yep, assume. I did. We, we talked about this beforehand. I did. And let me tell you, it was really hard because there were moments where I was like, I have something hilarious to tweet right now <laughs> and I couldn't do it. So it's pretty freeing though. I Jeez, left a I lot saw... of good, a lot of good content got left out there. It's pretty good leaving your phone places. Yeah. Assuming you don't leave it somewhere you don't remember. Yeah. What? Anyway, let's, uh, let's dive into this episode with Kara Goucher. Um, before we get in, just a quick reminder, uh, our podcast is sponsored by the Wide Angle Podium Network. Uh, donating to them really helps us out. If you want to find out more about it, it's wideanglepodium.com backslash donate. So Kara Goucher, how do you, how are you, what bio are you running with right now? <laughs> um, I usually just say um, a mom, a two-time Olympian, a runner. And now an author. Yes, and an author, I guess. You can add that too. Yeah, which is, I mean, pretty exciting. And I kind of want to talk about that first. So what prompted you to want to put out a book now? Yeah, I think I have been really open with my struggles with like my mental battles and my issues with self-confidence. And I've talked about it a lot when I speak with other women and, and girls. And um, at my retreat a couple of years ago, one of the attendees is a publisher. And so she, it was actually her idea. She reached out to me in the very beginning of 2017 and said, hey, would you ever want to do a book about like some of these techniques in your confidence journal? And kind of share it with the world. And I was like, let's do it. So really I have to thank Brenda Dominguez because it was, she was the one that really, you know, like gave me the opportunity to write the book. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and I, so kind of like I was talking about, you got the idea sort of on doing your retreats. How long have you been doing the retreats by the way? Um, my first one was in 2014. So this year will be the fifth year. Okay. And so what are the, what are the, what do the retreats look like? I was kind of stalking it on your website. Like, oh man, I'm, glad I'm busy that weekend. now. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not like a normal training camp, so you're not going to learn, um, any training techniques, but you are gonna, it's more of a wellness retreat. So we have, um, a sports doc who talks to us about injury prevention. We learn self-defense. Um, my trainer comes and teaches us like a workout. We do go to the track and do a really fun workout together, but then we talk a lot about, um, mental struggles and being enough in your life and being present in your life. Uh, we talk a little bit about nutrition. We do Pilates. So it's kind of just like this weekend of, um, kind of reflection on your life where you're at and what you want to do moving forward to make yourself more fulfilled and happier. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, so like running is the thing that binds us all together. So we have women of all ages, all body types, all, you know, there maybe we do have a few elite runners that come, but a lot of people are just weekend warriors. And so it's running is what kind of brings us all together. And my my idea behind it was I, I, runners are like in their own little tribe in their own world in their own community mm -hmm. and you can get along with someone that you never would meet if it wasn't for running through running 
And running has brought all these incredible people into my life that I never would have had if it wasn't for running. And so that was kind of the idea behind it. Like, could I bring a group of really different women together who have this one thing in common and could we build each other up? And so that's kind of how it all started. I love that. So in the years since you've been doing it, I mean, have you noticed that women are coming to this and just kind of lacking that confidence? Yeah, definitely. I think but we do on the last day of the retreat, we all have to stand and say an intention for ourselves that we're going to do. But before we say the intention, we have to say something positive about ourselves. And you would be shocked at the amount of women that have a hard time coming up with something good about themselves. Um, or it's like, I'm a good mom, or my friends say I'm good at this, but to really just say like, like, I usually say like, I'm good at bringing people together. It's really hard for people to come up with something positive. And I think that really struck a chord with me, especially the first year, because I was so caught off guard, how emotional people were getting with finding something that they loved about themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, the, the book strong and, and the confidence journaling techniques, and all that stuff. Um, you know, I wrote it about running, but it really is applicable to anything in your life. Yeah, and it's so interesting. Uh, Like I was telling you, I was just at a camp with uh, 18 young female athletes, and we actually did the exact same thing the first night. It was, you know, go around and say something you like about yourself. And I think most of them got so caught up in trying to think of something. I think almost all of them were just like, what I like about myself is that I came to this camp, which is a a great answer, but it was kind of sad to see these young women that was like the only thing that they could possibly think of that they liked about themselves in that moment. Or like they just didn't want to like bring it to the, they didn't want to say something for fear of like sounding like cocky or something. It was crazy. We're like, no, you have to be confident in your abilities. And by the end, I think that's really true. I think people, especially women and girls were afraid to say like, I'm good at this because we don't want to like look like we're, uh, think we're better than everyone else, or on the flip side, we're so busy taking care of everybody else um, and people pleasing that we forget that we have our own strength. Exactly. Yes. Um, so, back to the the idea of this confidence journal. So, I love that the book is sort of a combination of like a workbook that you can write in, and then you know also a lot of you know really practical suggestions within the writing. So. I want you to talk about how you came to start the confidence journal instead of any, you know, other kind of normal training journal or even just, you know, standard journal journal. How did that come about? I've kept a training log since 1994. So I have, you know, so many years of training log and that's just a part of like my ritual for getting ready for bed and Um, I write down what I did activity-wise for the day. You know, it's gotten more detailed as I've gotten older. I put down my pace and my heart rate and things like that. But when I – so I've always been really good at, um, like, writing down what I did for the day. So, like, the the act of sitting down and writing was something that's been in my – like, it's a habit of mine. But when I was training for the Olympic trials in 2016, I started to – just have like normal doubts, like always, like maybe I'm too old to be doing this. Maybe I uh, should be moving on. Like I haven't raced well in a couple of years. And so my sports psychologist at the time, it was his suggestion. And he was the one that said, you know, I'd love to have you be writing this stuff down every day, have a confidence journal that pairs with your training journal. So at the same time that you write in your training journal, which you do religiously every night, 
write in your confidence journal something positive about yourself in the day. And whether it's like, I crushed this workout and when I drove home, I felt really excited about what's, what's you know, ahead or if it's, I kind of struggled today, but I still kept the reins on and stayed focused, whatever it might be, finding something positive about the day, even on the bad days. So I started doing it in 2015 and that's how it all started. And it's a, a technique that I like dedicated myself to do it for a month and then it just became natural. And mm -hmm. it's kind of nice to end the night, uh, end a day every day with something positive about yourself. And it's not always easy. Like some days workouts are going horrible. My son hates me. I can't, I'm like not getting anything done, you know? And I'm like, still did my run and dinner was on the table. You know, like I yep. did that still. So it's not always like great and happy, but the thing about it is then you can flip through it when you're having a bad day or you're having doubts about a workout coming up or you're having doubts about a race coming up or you're just really having doubts about yourself. You can flip through it and say, you know what? Like, I'm doing a lot of really great things in my life and I deserve to be here at the start line. I know I can hit this workout tomorrow or just a pat on the back and a hug of like, you're doing all you can and you're doing a good job. Yeah, for sure. And I love some of the examples that you have in the book where it isn't necessarily like the greatest thing. It would have been really easy for you to go negative in the training journal and be like, oh, just felt really bad this run. And you had such a good way of reframing stuff to like accent the positive elements of it. And that was really cool to me because it's not all about like, yeah, as you said, like doing everything perfectly and being able to brag about that or like being excited about that. It's also about looking at, okay, this didn't go well, but. Right. <laughs> and you're never going to have a perfect training cycle. Like that's just unrealistic. Those things, um, it's just unrealistic, right? Nobody has the perfect, perfect situation. And so if you can kind of center yourself back on what you did right, that's what really matters because that's, that's all that you can do. You can't control the days that went bad. You can't control what anyone else has done. All you can really do is say, hey, I showed up on all these days and I got this done. Some days it was awesome and some days it was a struggle, but I still got through it and reflect on your own progress and your own, you know, I always like think to myself, I deserve to be here. That's something I say to myself a lot. And when mm -hmm. I flip through, I can say, like, I deserve to be here. I've put in the work to be here. Yeah, I love that. It's funny. I read this, like, pretty much the perfect timing for it because I've been at this camp working as a coach all week, and I have a 50K trail run coming up on Saturday. So I haven't really been able to taper as one should for that and I was like okay how can we reframe this I'm like okay I'm gonna come into it really fresh and super recovered <laughs> and yes. so relieved to be quiet for a few hours yeah. and maybe your cup is full because you've been helping out this these younger girls and I'm sure even though it's tiring you got a lot out of that exactly you know? I think reframing is so important when and I mean I, I say this with such confidence now, but it's taken me years to get here, and I still have my days that I don't do well. That's what the book is about, because there's a lot of different things you can do to try to conquer that negative self-chatter. But reframing situations has been so important for me to always kind of turn it and focus on the positive. There's no need to worry about it. Like, you can't change the fact that you were just working that camp. Mm -hmm. You can't. It doesn't matter, like, how much you think about, like, wow, I've been on my feet. I've been tired. You can't. It happened, right? Exactly. So now it's like, okay, what reframe it? What good is going to come out of that? And you're going to just kill it on Saturday. Yeah, that's that's what's going to happen. I'm just going to be at the start. Like, Kara Goucher told me I was going to kill it. So this is going to be fine. 
Um, so I loved in the book when you talked about picking a word or a mantra, I'd love it if you could talk a little bit about that for our listeners. Like, why does that matter? How does somebody pick the right thing? How do you know when it resonates? So you're only going to know when it resonates when you say it out loud in training and you're like, oh yeah. So I would usually pick a different mantra and or a power word for each sort of training block I was in. So the first time I ran the marathon, I picked the word confidence and because I was so afraid, I didn't know if I could run that far. And I would just whisper to myself, confidence, you are confident so that, and I would do that during all of my training. And then on those days where I was like struggling, I could say that word and it would bring conjure up images of myself, like conquering the workouts I had conquered and same with at the race, um, for the 2016 Olympic trials, I focused a lot on, I deserve to be here. And, um, for me, when I say that phrase, I think of all the lonely runs I did, all the miles I put in, all the times I showed up and it was just me and my coaches and there was like snow on the ground and I was still out there. And I think power words and mantras, you have to use them in your training. When the training gets hard, you have to be able to recite these things. Mm -hmm. Um, and that way when you go to race, um, when you say that, it will like take you back to all these times where you use that word to get through tough stuff and you know you're ready to be there. So you really have to do it in practice and in training. But, you know, for 2008, when I was trying to make my first Olympic team, my word was fighter. I'm a fighter. I will fight. And so it's just kind of like you have to kind of play around with it because what works for someone else might not work for you. But there's going to be some little phrase or some word that you're going to be like, wow, that's actually exactly how I feel right now in my life. And then grab onto it. That's your word. Yeah, I love that. Um, And now that we're talking about races, I have to ask like any tips for pre-race jitters, because I feel like that's, I mean, Olympic trials, actual Olympics, you've got to have dealt with this in the past. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is when I think if you've if you've had a confidence journal, that's when it's huge um, because you can flip through that and it's very calming. If you haven't been doing a confidence journal, I think it's really so important to always focus on what you've done to be ready. You never really go to a start line saying, "Well, I've trained to run, you know, three hours for the marathon, but I'm super nervous because I I think I should be going to 30." Right? You're you're going there because you trained to run a certain pace. And that's always really calm me when I get nervous. I say to myself, I'm not asking myself to do anything. I haven't proven to myself that I am capable of doing. Mm -hmm. So if I'm trying to run 230, I have done the work that shows that I'm ready to run 230. I'm not sitting there saying somehow by a miracle, I'm going to run 215 tomorrow. And that has always really calmed me down because you can only do what you've prepared to do. Mm -hmm. And when I reframe it as like, I'm just doing something I've proven to myself that I can do, um, Mm -hmm. it becomes less daunting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then I have to ask, what's like the hardest race experience that you can remember? Um, I would say 2014 New York city marathon where I was trained to run 230 and I tried to run 224 (laughs) And, um, I did everything wrong that I was just talking about. I got in the race and (laughs) I was like, you know what? I feel fine. I feel fine. We were clipping off some five forties and some, um, sub five forties. And I was only trained to run five forty fives. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I actually feel great. And you know, who knows I could win this. And then no, I wasn't ready to do that. And we hit the 18 mile mark and it just became a suffer fest. 
and it was so painful and I mean, it was just awful. It was just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Struggle for survival. And it was such a rookie mistake. I mean, every time anyone asks me about marathoning, I say, never go out too hard. Always do what you're ready to do. If you really feel great at 20 miles, then you can pick it up. Never do anything before that. And I just totally, everything I knew and everything I experienced, I threw it out the window and like win on uh, some hope. And it totally backfired. <laughs> so... <laughs> After that race, and I like this is kind of about this, but then also in general. So race doesn't go your way, whether it's, you know, because you paced wrong or like your shoelace broke or, you know, it started pouring rain and you weren't ready for that. Any reason your race doesn't go well. How do you get past that and not let that impact the rest of your season or year? I think it's you know, if it's a really big race and a really big goal that you had that you don't achieve, I think it's important to kind of like grieve that a little bit. Give mm-hmm. yourself a couple days to be upset because if you really wanted something really badly and it's something you've been pointing towards and you put a lot of work into and you don't get it, that's it's like a loss. Mm-hmm. You know, like you put so much into it and you don't get it. And if you just go, oh, that's okay, then you never, I feel like you have to actually like admit that it didn't happen the way you wanted and you're sad about it and it's okay to cry and it's okay to kind of be down in the dumps for a couple days but then I think if you actually do that and you actually like let out your frustration about it then it's easier to a couple days later say okay what makes me excited now and then think ahead to a new goal I think when we say it's okay it's okay it's no big deal then it's hard to move on really it kind of lingers and it kind of starts to creep in make doubt you know you're like well I mean it didn't happen the way I thought I think you need to like really acknowledge it and kind of grieve the loss of that and then you can set your sights on something new yeah absolutely so flip side of that what happens when a race goes really well because I feel like there's almost equally like you almost in a weird way, like grieve it being over and like, Oh my God, what's next? Like, yeah. I mean, that's how I felt the first time I ran my first marathon. I, even before we ran it, I, I had enjoyed training for it so much. And in the week leading up when I was tapering, I was like, I was kind of sad already. I was just like, <laughs> this has been such a happy time in my life and I can't believe it's almost over. And, um, I think, again, it's just like you need to, like, celebrate the fact that you did do all that work and you need to acknowledge that you did all that work. And you can't just dive right into something else again, whether it goes good or bad. You need to take the time to recover, to acknowledge what you put your body through and your emotions through, you know, Mm -hmm. and before you can, like, really move on and think about something else. And I'm always kind of in a lull after a big event, um, whether it goes good or bad, because you put so much, uh, physically, but so much emotionally and mentally into this stuff. And then it's just done. You know, it's like so much prep months and months of prep. And then it's just like, good job. Done. You're like, what? It just, yeah. So I'm always like a little, I always try to like celebrate and spend time with family and stuff. And if it doesn't go my way, like be sad about it a little bit, but I, even when it goes well, I do have like a little bit of like sadness. And then I think, well, that's actually good because that means I love what I'm doing and I'm enjoying the journey. So now what's next? Yes, definitely. Um, So one other thing I loved in the book is um, you mentioned 
that just the, um, the, the phrase used is hang out in the light. Um, I love that. So, you know, be surrounded by positivity and people who are on your team. Um, can you talk about that a bit? Like, did you have a before moment where you weren't doing that? Or have you always just had like amazing support around you? I haven't always. Um, and the times when I've had it, even when races don't go my way, I'm still enjoying the journey versus when I'm not in the most supportive environment, even if I have a great day, I'm still not really enjoying that journey. So I think it's important to kind of weed out the, the people or the um, things around you that cause you angst and don't totally support what you're doing and don't make you happy in your way on your way there because you're putting so much into it that if you're not, and I, I mean, I'm not saying like I go for an 18 mile run and I'm like, this is the best ever. I'm so <laughs> happy every step. You know, like I'm suffering, but there's like, there's beauty and joy in that process of like getting more out of myself every week and really putting myself on the line and really testing myself. And if the people around you aren't like on board and helping that journey or supporting that journey, um, it's, then it becomes more of like a chore and you start to lose the love. So I've really tried to just let people in, whether it's therapists, coaches, teammates, running buddies that are like, I mean, we all have our days where we just want to go run and, and complain, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's life. But in general, I just want to be around people that believe and are positive and are excited about life and look at life in a positive way. Um, and, where when you do your best, that is enough. It doesn't necessarily matter where you finish as long as you did your best, they are happy for you, and that is enough. And I think it's really important to just surround yourself with those kinds of people and to kind of, you don't have to like cut all these other people out of your life, but don't really let them have any room in your training and in your headspace because you're asking a lot of yourself. You don't need any negativity along the way that's added in from an outside source. Yeah, definitely. I'm like, I give myself enough negativity to deal with. I don't really need, <laughs> don't really need someone else doing it for me. <laughs> um, okay, so with everything you have going on now with the book, with retreats, and I mean, honestly, just you've, how many years have you been a professional runner at this point? <laughs> oh, this is my 17th year. So it's been a long time. Yeah. Okay. 17 years as a pro. How has your training changed from like the first couple of years to now, which I realize is like a question that could take us, you know, three hours to discuss, <laughs> but are there any major changes? Yeah, there have been major changes. I would say that when I was sort of at the height of my track career, um, and my, my life is still built around my running. I mean, I get my son off to school and then I go and train, mm -hmm. uh, but, but back in the day, it everything was built around running. I mean, there was zero, zero other things in my life, but running and I would run and I would nap and I would get treatment and I would go for another run. And I mean, I had a watch with two alarms. One went off at eight 30 and one went off at five and I got up at eight 30 and had breakfast and trained at 10, did all these other things, went back to bed, got up at five, trained again. And I just lived this kind of monk lifestyle and I loved it. I loved it. I felt like I was getting so much out of myself. Um, but then, you know, you get a little bit older and then I had a child and like, that's not my life anymore. 
Um, especially not now where I have like kind of expanded into other things in my life that I really enjoy and like. So mm-hmm. my, my, my day is still built around training, but I don't, um, it's not all anymore. You know, like I work on my computer for a little bit and I go meet people and I have other things that I fill my cup with now, whereas before it was just everything to make me the best runner I could possibly be. Mm-hmm. Whereas now when I'm training, I'm doing everything I can to be the best runner I can be. But the majority of my day is actually about just being the best person I can be and nurturing the things that I care about. Yeah. And I feel like that probably actually also makes you mentally stronger as a result. You, you know, have a family now and, you know, you have, you're inspiring all of these other women. So I feel like to some extent, like that cup is almost fuller than it would have been at like the peak of your monk life training. Yeah, it definitely is. And, and that's not to say like the monk life training wasn't enjoyable. I mean, I love that time in my life, mm-hmm. but I will say then my happiness hung on performance. Right. And my happiness doesn't hang on performance anymore. There's still things that I want that I train really hard for that I'm disappointed when they don't go my way. But then there's all this other stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just a different, different lifestyle. Yeah. And on a purely practical note, so pro runner for 17 years, how are you staying like injury free? And have you started adding in any strength or yoga or anything like that? Or are you, are you just straight running still? So I get injured a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I've been injured, you know, I was injured most of 2013 and most of 2014. Um, I was injured most of 2016, a little bit into 2017. So Last year, I set the goal. I started to feel really good in December of last year, of 2017. I set the goal of eight months without an injury. And um, no racing, not even thinking about racing, not even thinking about trying to get on a track. And I did it, you know. And so now I'm, I have a little bit of a base to, like, move forward and actually try to do more. But I think as I've gotten older, you know, recovery has become a lot more important. Yeah. Um, taking the time to stretch before and after has become a lot more important. Maybe not running those junk miles that I used to really like because I used to like to see the 120, 125 in my logbook, but maybe now they just make me feel more tired than they um, have benefit. And um, yeah, it's just the recovery days have to be slower. So it's just, it's been an evolution. I can't just hammer the way I used to at all. I do also work out twice a week with a strength conditioning coach because I am older and I have my stride is tightened up and things in my body after years and years and years of doing it have like fallen into patterns, which aren't necessarily great, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think addressing all that stuff, doing things I'm uncomfortable with, like jumping and plyos and that kind of stuff has really helped me this last year, I think, maintain my health. Yeah, for sure. I'm just picturing like in your office, you have like a, it's been this many days since my last running injury and just watching you like (laughs) start adding days to it. Uh, Yeah, well, it's funny. I set this goal. I was like, I want to run 70 to 80 miles a week for, you know, till June and and not have to take a day off because I'm hurt. I take a day off because I'm up on miles and whatever. My family's doing something special. That's one thing. And with each month I did, I was like so excited. I was like, I I mean, I can't remember the last time I went this long without an injury. So now it's time to like, if I'm really going to race this fall and I just started the last two weeks, start to build back up and start to introduce some harder stuff. But you know, you, if you constantly are injured, then you have, at first you have the base you had the year before, 
or maybe six months before, but then when you're chronically injured for a year and a half, there's nothing to fall back on anymore. And so I really right. felt like this past year I had to build myself back again. Yeah. So with injury, what about the mental aspect? How do, how do you not just get into a complete funk and just be like, nope, it's all over, nah, just, just done with racing? How do you, how do you deal with it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, of course I have those thoughts, just like anyone else. When I get a stress fracture or I have to have to tear my cartilage or something, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I can't do this anymore. Like, this is crazy. I'm so unlucky. I hate this. I hate this. I hate watching everyone, you know, running around. My neighbor's running in, like, their flip-flops running down the block, and I can't even run a quarter mile, you know. So I, get, I definitely have those thoughts where I'm frustrated and angry. But I've learned over the years to try to, like you were saying earlier, reframe it and see it as a gift of time that I didn't have before. And I usually go visit my family now when I get injured because you can cross train from anywhere. So I try to visit family and friends and I really try to say, okay, this is this is some time that I didn't know I was going to have. And instead of like wallowing every day, I'm going to try to take this as a gift of time that I didn't know I was going to have. I'm going to nurture all these other things in my life that I care about while still cross-training, but um, like I said, you can do that from anywhere. So yeah. I really try to like nurture all these other aspects of my life. Yeah, for sure. And okay, in, in terms of other aspects, I mean, you had a baby in 2010 and came back to racing a year later. What was that process like? I would, I mean, I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> it's more of a contractual issue and I I think that I have some pretty permanent hip issues because of that. But, sure. you know, I, I, um, my son was there for so much. Like I, I ran 69 minutes and a half when he was five and a half, five and a half months old. And I finished fifth at Boston when he was six and a half months old. And while if I could go back in time, I, I wouldn't have done that. Um, it still was like an incredible journey. And mm-hmm. I, I would never recommend it, and this is why. I think you can run right away. I don't think that was a problem. I think it was the intensity too fast, too soon, and trying to continue to nurse, and the sleepless nights. And I think I don't remember a lot of that time because I was just so exhausted and stressed out. And so I wouldn't recommend putting the Boston Marathon on your race calendar six months after your child's going to be born. But, yeah. If you find yourself in that situation like I did, um, I still liked it, you know, and I'm, like, proud that I did that. But I would definitely say don't do what I did. Like, give yourself a little bit more time because you you did grow a child, a human being in your body that took all of your nutrients, like a parasite, took everything. <laughs> and then you birthed it, which is traumatic enough, and then you nurtured it and cared for it. And, like, that is your top priority. And so – you, your body is definitely in a weakened state. So I don't think that running hurts you. I don't think lifting weights hurts you. I just think you really have to, there are a lot of, um, alarm bells along the way that I was doing too much and I just ignored them. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had listened to those bells a little bit more. That's, that's fair. Um, yeah. any, any advice for new moms who are like, who know they want to be out running, but are just kind of struggling to fit it in and just kind of like in this weird position of like oh I want to be outside but I don't know if I should if I should like if I should be spending that time away from from the baby any of that kind of stuff what's what's your advice (laughs) mom guilt is a real thing and it's really hard to 
to give yourself permission to go do something for yourself. So I get it. But when I was coming back, I, if my neighbor offered to watch Colt, I would just take them up on it. Um, people don't offer if they don't mean it. And so I would kind of pass them off. Um, I never really ran with the baby jogger. I tried and I wanted to like throw it. And so I was like, yeah, this isn't like safe for myself or my child. But my husband would run with the baby jogger and run alongside me. And that's, that's actually how I started getting back into training is I felt so guilty leaving. So my husband would run and push Colt. And um, <laughs> so he would be there, but I would be running. And so that's kind of how I got back into it. But I think taking advantage of friends that offer to help, you know, if you, if you have a group of friends that's going really early in the morning, um, maybe when your spouse or your partner is around, do it. Because you know what? It's really hard. And the, the first time is the hardest time, that ripping off the band-aid and leaving your child. But it's 30 minutes to an hour. You're going to come back with a clear head that you need. You need that time because your entire life is dedicated to keeping this human alive and caring for this human. Mm-hmm. And if you can take this little bit of time for yourself, you come back, even though it's running, which is a physical activity, you actually come back refreshed and you feel better. And it doesn't seem so overwhelming. I would be so overwhelmed and so tired and I would go train and come home, and it would not feel so overwhelming. I would be like, I can do this. We're going to get through this. We can do this. So take advantage of your friends. Take advantage of people who help. Take advantage of a gym that has daycare in there. Mm-hmm. And just take the time for yourself. Carve it out, even if it's just 20 minutes at first. But give yourself permission to, to take care of yourself. I love that. I have so many, I'm now at the age where all of my friends are having babies and kind of seeing the ones who are taking that time and how much happier and calmer they are as a result has been super interesting. Yep. Um, Okay. Totally switching gears. You have a new collection out with, and I, I'm sorry, I do not know how to pronounce Oizel. (laughs) It's Wazel. And that's okay. I, I never knew how to pronounce it either, but it's Wazel. Okay, I'm like obsessed yeah. with the clothing that they make, but the pronunciation is just... I know, it tricks a lot of people, and you're not alone, it tricks me too. Okay, so talk about this this new collection that they have with you. So one of the things I've always... I didn't go to design school, I actually studied psychology in college, but I've always been... I you know, change my clothes multiple times a day because I work out multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. And I've always been obsessed with the way things fit and with the way things feel. I'm obsessed with fabrics. And so when I first joined Wazel, Sally, the CEO, and I would talk a lot about my obsession with fabrics. You know, there's certain clothes I want to wear when I'm running fast. There's certain clothes I want to wear when I'm running slower. There's certain clothes I want to wear when I'm warming up. There's certain clothes I want to wear between workouts. And so we would talk about this a lot. And finally, she last year, um, in early 2017 said, do you want to do your own collection? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I did it the first one last year. Obviously I'm not a designer. So I just talked and felt fabrics and talked about what I wanted and then back and forth with the design team at Wazelle. And then this year we, um, kind of updated the collection to make it fit a little bit better to make this fleece and some of the pieces a little bit softer. But, um, yeah, I mean, my collection is mostly, uh, like relaxing and recovery time wear, um, because that's what I live in mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest, when I'm not running. If I put on a pair of jeans, my husband's like, whoa, dressed up. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's about comfort, but still like you're not, you're presentable, you know, you're not, you're like huge, huge sweats and you're still presentable. Like I can go meet my son's teacher and I can go to the store and I can do all these things. 
but my body feels unrestricted and comfy and like it's being taken care of. So that's kind of how the care collection was born. And, um, this year it's just a little bit, it's a little better. Honestly, the, the cuts are just a little better and the fabric's a little better. Yeah. I'm, I keep eyeing the pants. I think I'm going to have to pull the trigger and try them out. Cause I've been looking for a pair of track pants that actually would fit a runner's build for right. quite a while. So I, yeah. I need to do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If you had to pick one thing out of the new book that you want people to know and you want people to try to do, what would it be? Well, I mean, my ultimate hope would be that you read it cover to cover and you do the activities involved. But Everyone should. Everyone yes. definitely should. <laughs> because not, not all of the, not every technique is going to work for every individual. And that's why we put all the different techniques in there. But if there's one thing I would want people to dedicate themselves for one month to keeping a confidence journal. So for 30, 31 nights in a row, writing something positive about themselves before they go to bed. I love that. I, I am, I have it in my to-do list to start doing it tomorrow. So I was like, I just couldn't, I I wanted to start it as soon as I started reading the book and I was like, I can't do one other thing with this camp going on right now. I'm sleeping in a tent. It's a rough time, (laughs) (laughs) but that's all right. I give you a pass. All right. Perfect. It's, it's on the to-do list. I'm going to be really regretting that I didn't start it earlier when it's Saturday at six in the morning, but I'm just going to remember. Hey, that's okay. You'll get into the routine and then you'll have that in your back pocket next time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so where can people get the book and find out more about you and all of your retreats and all that fun stuff? So any information about the retreat is on my website at karagoucher.com. Um, the book is available for order on Amazon, but at this point it should be in most um, bookstores around the country. So it's called Strong, and you can just Google it and find out where it is locally, or you could order it off Amazon. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll have all of those links in the show notes. And then, so what is your race season looking like for this fall so people can kind of follow along with with where you're racing? Yeah, so I'm hoping to do a marathon in the fall, um, and I'm hoping to do a half marathon in that buildup. But I am not in very good shape right now, and so I'm nervous to kind of tell people <laughs> um, because I'm not 100% confident it's going to happen. I mean, I really want it to happen, and that's the goal that my coaches, my husband, and I have set for myself. But So I would just say stay tuned. It'll be later in the fall rather than earlier. Perfect. And people can follow you on Instagram, and it's just at Kara Goucher, correct? Yes, correct. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting and for writing. Like I said, such a such a good book that I think is actually going to help a ton of well, women, but also also men who are having a self confidence struggle. Um, I think it's it's an awesome read, and it's been really fun kind of going through the exercises in it. So thank you. No, thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time to read it. Hey guys, in case you haven't noticed, Cross is coming. That's right, the UCI season is about to start. There's all of these races popping up starting in early September, which is still crazy to me that we're here, uh, which means you guys probably are trying to get your remounting and dismounting technique dialed in before that first race of the season. Yeah, I mean, my belief is that all cyclists should learn to get on and off their bike. So I've partnered with 
Ryan Leach, and he has a, a membership site for skills. So you can learn to wheelie, you can learn to bunny hop, and so we're adding the cyclocross mount and dismount to these series of courses. And this is gonna be released just here at the end of August 2018. And so if you wanna sign up to get early bird discounts and find out when it gets released. Also important. You can go over to smartathlete.ca slash CX course, or just probably Google it too, but that, that should get you there. And you get to watch me doing remounts and dismounts really wrong and then kind of correctly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, check it out and enjoy the rest of this episode. Hey guys, before you take off, we just wanted to jump on here and talk a little bit about the Wide Angle Podium donor drive that's going on this August. So Wide Angle Podium is a member-supported network they have tons of awesome shows, you know, in addition to us, obviously. We have the Slow Ride podcast, there's uh, Crosshairs, uh, so many other really cool cycling-specific podcasts. I think we might be the only non-cycling-specific one on the network, so it's pretty rad that they let us, you know, hang out with them. Yeah, it's definitely a conglomerate. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it sound like they're in some kind of like skyscraper building and no in, in fact it's quite different it's all just regular people who are talking and trying to get you know people like katie compton or we just had chris mcdougall today that you just listened to and it's it's you know bringing this content that hopefully is you know very near and dear to your heart you know whether you're a cyclist or something like that it's, it's very specific right and that's this day and age you know we're not paying NBC for our cable package. I mean, you've cut the cord. You're not paying for cable anymore. Who does that? So it's really now, you know, you pay maybe Apple for your, your $10 Apple Music and then you... Uh, you Net know, Netflix? Maybe you're Netflixing and chilling. I don't know what you choose to do with your own time, but that, that would be an option. And then, you know, maybe some YouTube in there. And then you got your wide angle podium, right? So you're getting your podcast and it's a very specific show, right? There's no more channel surfing. You know that these, you know, five, five different shows, maybe you listen to as a cyclist or, you know, maybe you listen to us for sort of this all around stuff. And then maybe you have like a, another show that you listen to that's about something else like dogs or something. But slowly our show is merging into a dog show. I was going to say. Anyway, though, uh, if you end up supporting Wide Angle Podium, which you can do if you go to wideanglepodium.com slash donate, uh, you not only get to help out shows like ours, you also get some sick bonus content. We actually put a lot of time this summer into recording a couple of bonus episodes with some pretty high-level people about some pretty cool topics. Uh, we put together a couple handouts and PDFs as well, so you get bonus content from us as well as from all of the other podcasts. So really, really, it should be a stuff. lot, right? Like yeah. we, we we put in three or something. Is that what uh, it was? This year we have three, three episodes. But there's a but I imagine all the older stuff is in there too, and there was some really good stuff from last year and the year before too. Yep, and yeah, like I said, a couple new handouts with some some of the stuff that we talk about on the show, kind of put into here's like an easy way to put this stuff into practice. Uh, so yeah, it's it's really great if you can help support us and the network. We will be forever grateful. You will be our best friends. Cross is coming, so you're probably going to see us at some races. So how great would it be to get to come up and be like, hey, I support your show. I would give you some stickers then, probably some, some Shred Girls swag. If you I was wondering what that. you were going to offer on top. I'm like, hey, be careful. What if this goes really well? I'll buy you lunch if you're like one of the highest Beers donors. for everyone. Molly Herford. <laughs> you know what? If you... If you support the show with over 20 bucks a month, I will buy you a beer at the next cross race. I mean, that we are I at. think if there's no a, problem. I think at any 
at any level. They still have to find you, right? So what That's what are true. the chances that this is going to backfire? Uh, I feel like at Gloucester, I'm going to lose a lot of money. Yeah, but how much does a beer actually cost? I mean, you, at Gloucester, <laughs> if someone gives to you and you give back. And then you have a beer. I feel like that's that was like meant to happen. That's a I will spend on that beer. That's it. I'm offering the okay, beer now. Okay, there we go. If you donate, screenshot the email or screenshot the email that says you're donating. Find one of us at a cross race, and we will buy you a beer. You don't think Done. we can do this on less board? Like we'll just trust them? No, I want a screenshot. Oh, and they're gonna have to bring a piece of paper too. No, just just their phone. Oh, screenshot. Yeah, the email. I guess I guess you can do that now. You've cut the cord. You got into the cloud. Come on, I'm just saying. All right, do that. We'll buy you a beer. You'll make our day. Anyway, so wideanglepodium.com. Bonus content. We got bonus <laughs> content. All right. I, you know, I'm really wondering. I want to know what the bonus content is for, like, the crosshairs. And they probably have some really good stuff. Because this last episode they just did, we talked about that last show. I thought that was, like, one of the best things I've ever listened to. Well, now Peter you're giving Sagan. it away for free. No, no, no. This is just the show they did. Um, but they had Peter... It, was no, it? they didn't. I made up Peter Sagan. That was just hype. <laughs> but I mean, obviously they have Peter Sagan as the bonus content. I mean, maybe I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm not promising that. That's not my show. But who did they have on that was amazing? And I was excited. They had about Matthew it. Vanderpool. I mean, that's just like Peter Sagan. Okay. Although Peter, they also developed hype, I think, around the fact that Peter Sagan doesn't know who Vanderpool is or something. You're getting really into the weeds here, dear. Yeah. Anyway. Filibuster. <laughs> wideanglepodium.com slash donate do it and we'll buy you a beer thanks everybody have a great day thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete podcast uh you can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on instagram and twitter at molly j herford and you can check out peter's coaching training plans blogs all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram, at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out WideAnglePodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content, and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind-the-scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week, Uh, Do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. Takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And it really helps us out. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week.